Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 105, the 105th Psalm, a history of Israel being delivered out of the land of Egypt. I'll make a few brief comments on it when we finish. In the middle of the psalm, around verse 23, where it says, Israel also came into Egypt, the man Israel, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. It goes on to describe their time there and how that the Lord made them stronger than the Egyptians were. And he also turned the Egyptians to hate them early on, hardened their hearts already before we even get to the uh, issue of Pharaoh and the Red Sea. Then it describes the plagues that he sent them and how they were delivered and brought forth in verse 37 out of Egypt with much silver and gold, and he sustained them with his own strength. There wasn't a single feeble person among them. If God tells you to do something and you purpose to do it, he'll give you the strength for doing it. Amen. Let's all stand together and read in unison Psalm 105 together. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Abraham, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant he made with Abraham, and his oath unto Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. When they were but a few men in number, yea, very few, and strangers in it, When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. He brake the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him Lord of his house and ruler of all his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure 
and teach his senators wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And he increased his people greatly, and made them stronger than their enemies. He turned their heart to hate his people, to deal subtly with his servants. He sent Moses his servant, and Aaron whom he had chosen. They showed his signs among them, and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness, and made it dark. And they rebelled not against his word. He turned their waters into blood, and slew their fish. Their land brought forth frogs in abundance, in the chambers of their kings. He spake, and there came divers sorts of flies, and lice in all their coasts. He gave them hail for rain, and flaming fire in their land. He smote their vines also, and their fig trees, and brake the trees of their coasts. He spake, and the locusts came, and caterpillars, and that without number, and did eat up all the herbs in their land, and devoured the fruit of their ground. He smote also all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them fell upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering, and fire to give light in the night. The people asked, and he brought quails, and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock, and the waters gushed out. They ran in the dry places like a river. For he remembered his holy promise, and Abraham his servant. And he brought forth his people with joy, and his chosen with gladness, and gave them the lands of the heathen, and they inherited the labor of the people, that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Briefly, I hope that you are of the same spirit as the psalmist describes in the first five verses, where we give thanks unto the Lord and call upon Him and make known His deeds among the people. It is by repetition of things like this, the, the history of the Exodus, the history of God delivering His people Israel out of Egypt and wasting the land of Egypt with ten plagues, taking their firstborn, then drowning their entire military in the Red Sea, that should be remembered. And we should speak of it. Verse 1 tells us to make his known's deed, to make his deeds known among the people. Verse 2 tells us to talk of all his wondrous works. Verse 5 tells us to remember his marvelous works that he has done and the judgments of his mouth. Some of those judgments I read to you earlier when I read from Exodus 9 and what Moses actually said to Pharaoh about what was going to happen to him 
and why God had put him in that position of power. That was a judgment of the Lord's mouth, which we will find in Romans 9.17 as well this morning. Do you love to talk about the mighty works of God? Do you love to make them known? Do you love to remember them? I have known about the plagues of Egypt that God brought upon Egypt as early as I can remember anything in my youth. Because I was taught them as a very young child. And yet at the age of 54, I still delight in them. I still have pleasure reading through a psalm like this and seeing that the caterpillars came without number. That means there were quite a few of them. Praise His great and glorious name. And there were frogs in abundance in the chambers of their kings, according to this psalm. Every one of these little expressions chosen by God, He picked the plagues. Moses didn't pick them. God picked them. They're unique. They're very irritating. You would not want those events in your life. They are staggering. And you would think that any man with even well below room temperature IQ would be able to figure out this God should not be messed with. But God had purposed to harden him so that in spite of the natural revelation, he would rebel against the word of the Lord. So the first five verses are telling us to make his deeds known, to talk about them in the second verse, and to remember them in the fifth. In verses 6 and 7 it says that this is for the seed of Abraham, his servant. Ye children of Jacob, his chosen, he is the Lord our God. But we know from Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29, if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. So we, he's now our God. Jews and Gentiles, as was preached to you two weeks ago in my absence, have been brought together into one body. He is our God and these works are our works. Our fathers. Paul wrote to Gentiles in the church at Corinth about the Jewish fathers. Our fathers were under the cloud and in the sea and were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. See, the Lord's brought them together. We're the church of God. They were the church of the Old Testament. We're the church of the New Testament. Verses 14 and 15. He suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. This is when Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were very few in number, wandering in the land of Canaan as nomads. God protected them from their enemies. Whether it was destroying four kings from Mesopotamia, with Abraham's 318 trained servants and a couple of Canaanites that were in confederation with him, or whether it was protecting Sarah twice, once from Pharaoh and once from the king of the Philistines, God delivered his people because God is able to restrain them. He suffered. He did not permit anyone to do them wrong. And he told them, don't you dare touch her and don't you dare touch him. You know, Laban was unable to do what he wanted to do against Jacob. Because God was always protecting His people. And the point I'd like to make here is, God is able to restrain the wicked intentions and desires of men. And sometimes He does for the sake of His people. And sometimes He doesn't. And lets them do whatever they wish. Showing that it's God's sovereign power that makes the difference. 
God restrains all wickedness in the earth. The only wickedness that He allows to occur is wickedness that will praise Him. Psalm 76 and verse 10, and the rest He restrains. Verse 19. Joseph is in prison. They hurt his feet with fetters. Verse 18 tells us he was laid in iron. Verse 19, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. That is, Joseph had made some prophecies and declarations. You can run this several different ways, but I believe this is the one the Lord wants us to have and that this is the sense. This is not his word to the butler or the baker, and this is not his interpretation of the dreams, because he is not yet before Pharaoh. This is his word to his brothers and his father, that he was going to be exalted over them. And yet he was in prison until the time that his, and that is God's word, came. The word of the Lord tried him, because there he was in prison, and it certainly didn't look like the prophecies that he had given when he was a 17-year-old boy and younger were going to come to pass. Because God's timing is not your timing. And He may try you at times, but the Word of the Lord will come and the Word of the Lord will be fulfilled. And when God has promised to hear your prayers and to succor you, He will help. Verse 25, He turned their heart to hate His people. The Egyptians had been the friends of the Israelites and appreciated them because of Joseph. But he turned their heart to hate his people. That's why a Pharaoh arose after the one that knew Joseph that did not so befriend the people as Joseph's master had. Again, God is able to turn hearts and harden hearts. It's throughout the Scriptures. You just need to look for it. And you need to humble yourself before it and not reject it. When it says there in 25, He, that is God, turned their heart, that is the Egyptians, to hate His people, that is the Israelites, to deal subtly with His servants. To require the same quantity of bricks to be made each day, yet without the use of the straw that they had been using. We come to verse 37. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. You know, when Israel came out, they got all their back wages. From all those years of servitude to Egypt, in building pyramids, cities, and whatever else of the kings of Egypt, God paid them for it because the people forced them to take gold and silver, and they went out heavy laden with the riches of Egypt. But I want you to notice in the second half of that verse, there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Out of a couple million people people who had been abused as slaves, working day after day after day without relief. There should have been very many feeble people. But there were none. Because when God calls His people forth, and those people go to obey Him, He will provide the strength. And this is an example of it. There was not a feeble person. They were all able to go out on foot. What a wonderful thing. And here we're told about it in that second Clause of verse 37. Verse 40. The people asked, and he brought quails, and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. That's the manna. He brought manna, water, and quail. It doesn't tell us here what we will make mention of in the second assembly, that when they asked for quail unthankfully and ungratefully for the manna, and when he gave quail, and they were not thankful for it, but immediately set upon accumulating great stores of it, He killed a number of them and he sent leanness 
into their souls. We do not want our bellies filled with turkey stuffing, cranberry sauce, gravy, and pumpkin pie, and leanness in our souls. That's a thanksgiving we do not want to have. We want to humble ourselves before God so that we have the best of all He has to offer. Fatness in our souls and fatness on our tables. And He's able to do both. Verse 42, For He remembered His holy promise and Abraham His servant. Though 400 years later, here God is making mention of the fact that part of the reason for His kind dealings with Israel was out of honor to Abraham. This is a point that you read throughout Scripture and that we will deal with in Romans chapter 11. For the Father's sakes. When God makes a promise to a man about children, He remembers His promise, though the man's children may forget the promises. And He made promise to Abraham, and He remembered His promise to the man, Abraham, in dealing with millions of people 400 years later, and then millions of people many hundreds of years even after that. The last point I'd like to make is in the 45th verse. Why did God save His people, and why did God bless them so abundantly? It tells us in the 45th verse, and this is why you are favored, and this is why you are blessed. Not to take it for granted, not to presume upon God, not to think you can live any way you choose, but for this reason, that they might observe His statutes and keep His laws. Praise ye the Lord. God does not deliver us for us to wax fat and kick against His commandments. God delivers us to show us His goodness, and the goodness of God ought to lead us to repentance to righteousness and obedience. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word.